Welcome back, Bible readers. This is the Rooted Podcast, and this is week number 53 of 2020. This is the last week. And I know what you're thinking, 53 weeks? I thought the year only lasted 52 weeks. Well, that is true. Um, But it is 2020, right? So we'll just keep with the craziness. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Just the way that the weeks worked. Um, This is actually the last week of the year. The first week of our 2020, we had just a few days. And so uh, this last week is kind of finishing up um, week number 52 as a whole. So this week, we're going to discuss our way through the book of Revelation. Now, understand at the very outset that men have spent their lives studying the book of Revelation. I have written books studying the book of Revelation. Um, There is so much that is written, taught, um, and spoken about as far as the book of Revelation goes. And so what we're going to do in the next 10 to 15 minutes is not even going to scratch the surface, but at least it will give you a guide as you read through the book because reading is what we're all about here on the Rooted Podcast. So there are a few things to look for as you read through the book of Revelation. First of all, you'll notice the amount of numbers that you find in Revelation. Lots of different numbers. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 12, 12,000, 3 42 months. There's so many different numbers in Revelation. Um, And sometimes those numbers can be symbolic. Uh, Many times those numbers are literal. Sometimes they're both. Sometimes they're both symbolic and literal. Um, the context will kind of dictate as to how we treat those numbers. Uh, a second thing is that you'll notice for the most part, Revelation is in a chronological fashion. It's one of the few books that you can kind of read from beginning to end, and it'd be in correct chronology. Now, it's not perfect. There are some interludes. There are some times where, oh, I'm not exactly sure if this follows this. But for the most part, I'd say 90 to 95% of the time, it is in chronological fashion. A third thing to note about Revelation is that you'll come into contact with lots of different characters. I would say between 20 and 30 different characters are going to be mentioned here in the book of Revelation. That's a lot um, towards the end of the Bible. Um, And then lastly, number four, uh, we're taking Revelation from a futuristic approach, which means that we're treating most of what's in Revelation as prophecy. Um, There are others who read the book of Revelation. They read it from a different lens. Uh, They read it from a lens that a lot of this has already happened, or it's all symbolic, or it's all allegorical. We're not reading it through that lens. We're reading it through the lens that we feel the Scripture teaches, a plain, literal interpretation of Scripture. So therefore, all of what, well, not all, but the majority of what's in Revelation is in the future. All right, now let me give you a basic outlay of Revelation Chapter 1 is John basically getting the revelation. Chapter 2 and 3 are letters to the churches, the seven churches of Asia Minor. Chapter 4 and 5 is kind of like an interlude in heaven. Um, it shows you what's going on in heaven while things are happening on earth. Chapter 6 through 19 is all about the tribulation. Chapters 19 through 20 are about the millennium. Chapter 20 is about the great white throne judgment. And chapters 21 and 22 are about uh, eternity or the eternal state. That's just a brief outline so you kind of have something to work with as you read through the book of Revelation. So as you start to read Revelation, chapter 1, verse 1, kind of gives you the basic outlay as to why the book was written. This is a revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the events that must soon take place. So it's obvious at the very beginning, the book of Revelation was written to give us a chronology of future events or events that would take place. And of course, chapter 1 
uh, relates to John and relates to his commission of the one that's supposed to write down this revelation. And in chapter 1, John also sees a picture of the glorified Christ and all of his grandeur, all of his splendor, but he's coming differently in Revelation. He's coming as a judge. And so John is commissioned to write down these things for our benefit, but also specifically he says he's to write down these things for the benefit of these seven churches that you find in chapters 2 and 3. Each of the seven Uh, Letters to the churches in Revelation 2 and 3 contains a unique description of the Lord Jesus drawn mainly from chapter 1 that is appropriate to that church. So it's, it's connected. Each one also contains a word of commendation carry some sort of rebuke for that congregation. uh, And each one exhorts its readers to specific action. Uh, And each holds out a promise as an incentive for faithful obedience. So you find that pattern as you read through um, these seven churches. The first one is Ephesus. Then you have Smyrna and uh, Pergamum and Thyatira. Excuse me, Thyatira. That's all in chapter 2. Then as you go into chapter 3, you've got Sardis, Philadelphia. And the last one that we're probably most familiar with is Laodicea. Um, And so as you read through those seven churches, you'll see the commendation that Jesus gives those churches. You'll also see the condemnation that he condemns them for. He rebukes them for some of their actions. He encourages them to get right. But nonetheless, these were uh, actual historical churches. But yet in the sum, in the total sum of all these churches, we find kind of a symbolic understanding of all the churches that ever existed in the church age are kind of summarized within the bounds or within the confines of these seven churches. Because remember, seven is also the number of completion. I wish we had time more to discuss about how these seven churches kind of are symbolic of all churches throughout all ages. We don't have time for that because we got to get into chapters four and five. Chapters four and five kind of take us away from earth and transport us into heaven. Now, you have to also understand chapters 4 and 5 as preparatory because they are preparing the reader for the outpouring of judgments that are going to follow. And these chapters record what John saw in heaven and basically are showing that Jesus Christ has the right to judge this world and to establish, excuse me, to rule as king and to establish his kingdom. He is the one who is in control of the events that are yet to happen. And in the vision here, uh, John saw the throne of God. The throne is used here some 30 times in the book of Revelation and speaks of a place of authority. And when referring to God, it emphasizes his sovereignty and his rulership. And God has given the right for Jesus to be the one who judges the earth. In fact, you think about it, he's the one who was involved in creation. Christ was. Colossians tells us that Jesus Christ created all things, so therefore Jesus Christ has the right to judge all things. So chapters 4 and 5 lead us into a rather larger section of chapter 6 through chapter 19, which we term as the tribulation period. Now, as you read through the tribulation period, chapter 6 through 19, we always have to remember that God has a reason for what he does, and that includes this horrible time called the tribulation period. And, And you know, in fact, the primary purpose for the tribulation is to save Israel, to prepare her for her Messiah, you know, because they didn't accept the Messiah that came the first time. You know, God has made covenant promises to Abraham and to David, many of which have not been fulfilled. Well, the tribulation will begin the process of fulfilling those covenant commitments that he made. And so it's expected that the tribulation has a definite Jewish character to it. But you have to understand that the great work of God in the tribulation is not judgment, but salvation. 
as he saves Israel and brings them into this new covenant. But Gentiles also will be saved, not just Israelites. And there is no greater time of salvation in all of human history than during the time of tribulation. Interesting, isn't it? Now, obviously, judgment is included in the tribulation. Sinful, rebellious mankind will be accountable for uh, his wickedness, and God will certainly judge unbelieving men and unbelieving nations. But the primary purpose is to bring Israel to accept her Messiah. Now, as you read through the uh, tribulation itself in chapters 6 through 19, you find that there are three different series of judgments. Um, the first series of judgments are referred to as the seal judgments. That covers chapter 6, verse 1, through chapter 8, verse 1. Um, out of the last seal judgment comes the next set of judgments, which are the trumpet judgments. Chapter 8, verse 2, through chapter 9, verse 21. Then you have an interlude there of some additional information going on in the tribulation. And then the seventh trumpet actually opens up the last set of judgments, which are called the bull or the vile judgments, chapters 15, verse 1, through chapter 16, verse 21. So each series contains seven specific judgments, and the judgments follow one on another. Um, Now, Christ spoke about these tribulation judgments in Matthew 24, verse 8, and he termed them as birth pangs. And so this suggests that as the tribulation progresses, the judgments become more severe and the intervals of time between these judgments become shorter and shorter. Well, we could spend a lot of time on the tribulation judgments, but we need to move on to chapter 17 and 18 and talk about the two Babylons that are referenced here. Now, the term Babylon, if you know your Bible well, you know it traces all the way back to Genesis chapter 11, where the first incident of the Tower of Babel there is documented. And that was really the first organized uh, idolatrous religious system that was established. We'll fast forward to Revelation 17 and 18, and you have kind of the final um, religious organization that's established. And again, uh, when we talk about Babylon, we're talking about religions that is established apart from God, doesn't have anything to do with God. And so what's going to happen in chapter 17 of the book of Revelation is that you have a um, religion in the Great Tribulation. Chapter 17 tells you that. And that religion is kind of established in or around or near Babylon. But Babylon is not just a religious city. It's also a political or economic city. And that's what chapter 19 uh, informs us of. But the purpose of this uh, political religious system called Babylon um, kind of is only temporary because halfway through the tribulation, the Antichrist and his followers, uh, they seek to establish only one religion in the world, the worship of Satan and the Antichrist. And that's what they're kind of using Babylon for. But Babylon, you have to understand, it's connected all the way back to man's first revolt in Genesis chapter 11, and then chapter 17 and 18 here are man's final revolt against God. So that's your connection. Now, Chapter 19 is a breath of fresh air in the book of Revelation because it's in chapter 19 where Jesus comes back for the second coming. And chapter 19 has kind of two major parts. First part is the rejoicing triggered by Babylon's fall, uh, Revelation chapter 19, verses 1 through 10, and then the events surrounding Christ's return to earth, verses 11 through 21 of chapter uh, 19. But as Christ comes back for his glorious second coming, he returns as King of King and Lords, Lord of Lords, and those who have blasphemed him uh, uh, and refused to repent are crushed in what we know as the Battle of Armageddon. 
Following the Battle of Armageddon, Christ then turns his attention to his arch enemy Satan in chapter 20 of Revelation and has him cast into the bottomless pit for a period of a thousand years. And so he will not be able to disturb this glorious millennial reign that Christ will establish on earth in chapter 20. And so for a thousand years, Christ will rule the earth and in doing so completely fulfill all of God's covenant promises to Abraham and to all his descendants. The Apostle John doesn't give much information about what's going to take place during this millennial kingdom because the prophets of the Old Testament have already given us lots of information, an abundance of information about Messiah's rule. The prophets, however, did not know that the kingdom of the Messiah would be a thousand years in length. So John adds that new information for us. Now, as this new millennial kingdom begins, um, there's going to be several different groups of people that are in that kingdom. So before that millennial kingdom began, you had church-age saints who came back with Christ. They are part of that kingdom. You had Old Testament saints who are resurrected before the millennial kingdom began. You had tribulation saints also who died during the tribulation. They are resurrected to go into the millennial kingdom. So you've got three types, you might say, of glorified believers that are in the millennial kingdom, but then you also have people who did not die during the tribulation period, and those people are welcomed into the millennial kingdom. Now, like today, they still have to make a choice to accept or reject Christ. Now, can you imagine living in the millennium when Christ is ruling and reigning in Jerusalem, and you're human, and so you have a choice. Do you accept or do you reject him? And that sets the stage for what will happen at the end of the millennium, because at the end of the millennium, we're told that Satan is released and Satan gathers an army of people who want to go against Christ. Now you say, how in the world does Satan get an army? I thought the people who were in the tribulation were resurrected believers, excuse me, in the millennium were resurrected believers. Well, most of them are, but there are still some people who came over from the tribulation period that are in the millennium that maybe never accepted Christ. I mean, they never accepted him. And you say, how in the world could they never accept Christ, especially with him ruling on earth? Well, friends, think about when Jesus came the first time, how many people didn't accept him coming the first time. So at the end of the millennium, Satan gathers this army of people who want to go against God in one final revolt, and Christ puts them down quite quickly. And then the next event that happens in Revelation 20, as you get in uh, towards the end of Revelation 20, is the great white throne judgment. And that's the judgment wherein every person who has ever lived, who has never put their faith and trust in Christ, is judged. We're told that Christ opens up the Lamb's book of life and their names are not found in there. And so they are cast into the lake of fire along with the false prophet, the beast, and the antichrist, all who are already there now. After all that judgment takes place, then John records that God will create a new heaven and a new earth to replace the old ones, chapters 21 and chapters 22. Now, the saints, we will live on for all eternity. You know, God's original plan was that mankind would live on the paradise earth and enjoy fellowship with God there. But mankind messed that up. But through his son, through Jesus Christ, through the sacrifice of himself on the cross, he satisfied the requirement. Evidently, God is returning back to his original plan for redeeming mankind. That's why we call it back to Eden. And so chapters 21 and 22 talk about this beautiful eternity with Christ. You have the new Jerusalem and spending all eternity with Christ. 
And that brings our entire reading for 2020 to a final conclusion. So I think congratulations are in order here. If you have finished, um, congratulations. You started in January 1 reading Genesis 1-1, and you've traveled all the way through 2020 as crazy as it was, still kind of crazy as it is, to the end, December 31st, finally reading the last part of the book of Revelation. You can congratulate yourself. And you can also realize how easy that was, right? Only 85 small verses a day. And you can easily do that. Think about that. If you say, well, I have 20 or 30 more years of my life left. Well, guess what? You've got 20 or 30 more times you can read through the entire scriptures. I mean, think how valuable that would be for you. Think how that will help you grow in your Christian faith. Think how you'll understand more about who Jesus is and what he has done for you. Think about how you can become more and more conformed into the image of Christ. Think how you can affect others, your witness to others by what you've done. Now, so that completes 2020 with the Rooted Podcast. And now we look forward to 2021. What's going to take place in 2021? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you a little bit about the plan for 2021. So the theme for 2021 is simply Jesus. And so the way the Bible reading is going to work this way will be a little bit different. Now, obviously, we're not going to read through the entire Bible this year. What we're going to do is each month of the year, the first week of reading, Okay, so the first uh, Monday through Saturday, you'll have off Sunday, um, the first week of reading will be something about Jesus. Okay, so the first month, January, for example, is about Jesus as the creator. So all the verses and passages you'll read for that first six or seven days of the month will be about Jesus as the creator. Then the rest of the month of January will be about something else, usually about maybe a character we'll be reading about, um, maybe about uh, we'll be reading through a book. Uh, there's a variety of different things we'll do to fill out the rest of our reading throughout each month. But what we're trying to focus on is at the beginning of each month, you'll have six to seven days of reading about something about the ministry, the life, the person of Christ, because we want to stay attached to that theme of simply Jesus. Now, you'll also have the podcast that will be available each week as we'll talk about what's coming up for your reading for that week. Um, This year, we're going to have it again as audio versions, but we're also going to transform the podcast into a video version as well. Uh, And so, Actually, throughout the year, I will have some additional hosts who will help me host the Bible reading, people that you know, pastors that you know um, from our church that will kind of help me carry uh, this load as we go through and we read through the 2021 Bible reading plan. So it will be available audio just like it always has been, so there won't be any change for you out there, Bible readers who like to listen to it through the podcast, but it will also be video if you want to watch us in action. Um, so I guess we got to actually pay attention to our mannerisms and what we do in the background because you'll be watching us now. Um, but needless to say, I think that will add a much needed element and we'll get some more pastors included into the Bible reading. And we're going to act as coaches just like I've been. Uh, this year has been kind of unique as I've kind of walked you through it because we've been reading from beginning to end. Um, but we're going to act more as coaches in the coming years, kind of encouraging you, uh, talking to you about the passages. We're not going to be able to talk about everything like on the podcast, but at least to give you a, uh, uh, to be a guide 
uh, as we go through it. So that's kind of what's going to be happening in 2021. And again, same process. The podcast will be released probably on Sunday or Monday. It will have information about what you're going to read for the week, so you can watch it before you read it, and it'll get posted every week. Same place, Bible reading. Um, Same place you can get your Bible reading, the Connect magazine, the uh, website, the app, all that stuff will have it just like it's always been. So no change as far as you guys are concerned. And by the way, this might be a great time to invite some other people who may not be involved in the Bible reading to add them to the plan here, to get them involved in it. All they have to do is send a, an email to BibleReadingLBC.org, and we'll put them on our list um, as we send out emails about podcasts and, and, and things coming up. So that's it. That's all for 2020. So congratulate yourself if you've read through the entire Bible from beginning to end. And coming in January of 2021, towards the end of January, we'll have some gifts available for those of you who have completed your reading. I haven't gotten a chance to punch all your cards. I know that, but I'm trusting on the honor system that you've read through. And in January, we'll notify you of those gifts available in the back lobby, and you can come by and pick up your gift for that. So that's all. So I will see you next year in 2021.